0: And answers. How do I talk with friends who are atheists? And what if they don't want to hear you talk about God? What is the best thing to say to someone who is a relativist? Should Christians be concerned with climate change? And what about plastic and animals? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zuckran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, we'll be listening to a message that was taken from our 2020 Evian Youth Apologetics Conference. Annually, Pat brings in guest speakers from all over to teach and equip the youth of today. Listen as Pat answers some of these challenging questions here in part five of this series, Tough questions, teens ask.
1: You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges of today. Well, we just finished our annual youth apologetics conference and of course one of the most favorite times in the conference the one we get a lot of demand for is the Q&A session. Often the question and answer session is the most highly anticipated and the most enjoyed and on all our evaluations it always states that they wish there was a longer Q&A time because it's really a lot of fun and the speakers need to answer some very challenging questions questions right there live. And so that's something that youth really enjoy. And of course, we get close to 100 questions. We're not able to answer them all at the conference. And so in this series, Tough Questions Teens Ask, I am addressing many of the questions that we were not able to answer there at the conference. And it's become a one of the favorite radio shows as well. So we answered questions previously in regards to apologetic questions that teens ask about the truth of Christianity. We answered issues regarding Bible difficulties and Bible questions, and now we're addressing issues that deal with evangelism and engaging non-Christians, their non-Christian friends for Christ. Okay, And here's some of the questions that they asked. First question is, what if you struggle with God? What kind of person are you? Well, I would say that uh, you're human. I think all of us struggle with God and even the biblical authors, the prophets and the apostles, many struggled with God and wrestled with God, trying to put together the things they were experiencing, especially when it came to issues like evil and suffering and how can God be loving and good and righteous and sovereign and in control and allow evil to happen. Great example is one of my favorite books, the book of Job. There is a man who lived righteously before God yet suffered incredibly, you know, lost his family, lost his livelihood, lost his own health, lost the respect of his friends and struggles with God throughout the entire book. You have other books like Habakkuk. Habakkuk, one of the prophets struggling with how does God allow a people like the Babylonians to conquer the Jews? You know, Habakkuk is saying, look, man, I, I know we haven't been good and obedient, but how can you use an even more evil people than us? for disciplinary purposes and he struggles with that you know the very opening of habakkuk he says oh lord how long shall i cry for help and you will not hear or cry to you violence and you will not save why do you make me see iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong destruction and violence are before me strife and contention arise so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth for the wicked surround the righteous so justice goes forth perverted. So right off the bat, you see him struggling with God. And so it's natural as fallen sinful human beings with limited wisdom, with a sinful nature, all of us are going to struggle with God. And that's not always a bad thing, but you need to look for the answers in the right places in the word of God and in the people of God and through prayer and wrestling with God and as you do your faith will mature and strengthen as you wrestle with god as the prophets and the apostles did so it's natural to struggle with god there's nothing there that would say that you're wrong or not saved even the great saints of the bible struggled with god great question there here's a second one how do you deal with or talk to friends who are atheists what if they don't want to hear you talk about God. Well, does God exist is perhaps the greatest question that must be answered. And Romans chapter one says, although they knew the truth about God, they deliberately suppress that truth and turn away from God in their rebellion. And so they're deliberately turning away from the truth that they know. Now, there's several ways to approach this, but one of the things that we're all interested in innate in all of us is truth. We all want to know truth and we want to live and abide by truth. Right. So if you just talk about truth and present truth in all arenas, it eventually leads to its source. And what is the source of truth? God. That's why understanding the Christian worldview is so critical. Our faith in Christ does not apply just to our spiritual, personal walk with God. One of the things I say in my worldview talk is that the Christian worldview is an all-embracing worldview that applies to the world around us. So when you understand the Christian worldview, there's many venues from which you can engage in spiritual discussion that leads back to God. So, for example, they may not want to talk about Jesus directly or the Gospels, or the book of John. But for example, does the Bible have a lot to say regarding science? Absolutely. When it comes to the created world around us, the Bible is not a scientific book, it's written pre-science. But when it talks about the creation and the world around us, what it says is indeed true. And what's true in science confirms God's Word, or is consistent with God's Word. So, for example, if you're trained in a Christian worldview and you understand apologetics, science is a great avenue from which to introduce truths about God. For example, science is unanimous in the scientific world that the universe is not eternal, that the universe has a beginning. Now, scientists call this the Big Bang. Call it whatever you want, all right? But the fact is the universe has a beginning. Now, the law of causality comes into play. Whatever has a beginning must have a cause, If the universe has a beginning, it must have a cause. What is the most reasonable explanation for the cause of the universe? Okay, now you're getting into an area we call metaphysics, all right, beyond just the physical world. What created the universe? Whatever created the universe, the law of cause and effect. Every cause has an effect. Every effect has a cause. No effect is greater than its cause. Whatever caused the universe is greater than the universe. What is it? that could will the universe into being? What is it that is greater than time that could create time? What is it that is so powerful that could create an order universe like this? I think God is a great uh, and the most reasonable cause here. But you see, talking something about the truths of science can get you to talk about God. So if you understand the Christian worldview, there are many avenues through which you can introduce God. For example, another one. The movies can be an avenue through which you introduce the gospel. For example, Avatar, a very popular movie. What's the theme of Avatar? Well, it's environmentalism, okay? The Na'vi live in a pristine paradise, the Garden of Eden, right? And why do they live in the garden of eden well we discover they are pantheists they worship the planet that they're on they all get in tune with the energy of the planet focused you know on this great sacred tree that they all plug into and so they're pantheists okay they're one with the planet now humans come and invade the planet and what humans have the wrong worldview. they don't care about the environment they destroy The environment and a great war takes place there. Now, what is the theme of Avatar? Well, it's environmentalism. If we want a pristine paradise again, like the Na'vi have on their planet, we need to become pantheists. Worship the planet. Now, it's a great talk to environmentalism there. Is pantheism, is the worldview of pantheism, will that lead us to solve the environmentalist problem? Well, if it does then pantheist countries should be the cleanest and most environmentally conscious of all. Where would you go to look at cultures that are pantheistic? Well, go to India. All right. New Delhi, Calcutta, how are they? Are they the most pristine and beautiful cities of all? No. They are some of the filthiest disease-ridden cities that you're going to see in the world. Pantheism is not the answer. Well, what is? Does the Bible have anything to say about environmentalism? You bet it does. You see, there's a great avenue to introduce the truths of Scripture that eventually lead back to God there. When you're discussing justice, political issues, right and wrong, is there a universal moral law? What makes the Taliban and ISIS, what makes their position wrong and ours in the U.S. right Or is it just a matter of opinions and ever the stronger nation is going to impose their views and their opinions on others? Or is there a universal moral law that we're all under and we can say we have a just cause and a just war here. So issues of morality and ethics can lead us back to God. So when you understand the Christian worldview, there are many avenues that can lead you back to God. It's like when I took jujitsu, you know, when I first began, I only had about one or two moves and the master teacher was always yelling at me. He'd always say, Pat, you're too one-dimensional. You're too one-dimensional. All right. You got to learn and you got to try new moves. Right now, as I advanced From white belt to blue belt, I learned nearly two dozen different moves and ways to submit a guy. And now I had many avenues in which I could gain advantage over an opponent. You know, same thing. When you understand the Christian worldview, that our faith is an all-embracing worldview that applies to all arenas of God's world, then you have many avenues through which you can introduce spiritual truths and introduce people to God. Secondly, you can do a strategy that we call putting a pebble in the shoe. You know, when you get your pebble in the shoe, it just kind of bugs you all day until you can get it out. Well, that's what you do with an atheist who is hostile and doesn't want to hear about God. You put the pebble in the shoe. You know, for example, I was having a conversation with an atheist. I eventually asked him, I said, well, then what is the purpose and meaning of your life? I mean, if everything ends in annihilation and death and extinction, the human race will one day come to an end. As the universe expands, it's gonna run out of energy and reach a state of final entropy and the universe comes to an end. What difference does all your achievements and even our existence make? What difference did it ever make that the human race was even here in the universe when everything ends in extinction? And he thought about it for a while and he said, Well, it's it's ultimately meaningless. You know, at first he tried to say, Well, my life has meaning to my descendants, and I said, Well, you're gonna be extinct, they're gonna be extinct. So what's the ultimate difference? What difference did it make? And he kind of thought about it. All, and I said, you got to, to come to the same realization all atheists came to. It's, it's, it's meaningless. And he thought about it. And he said, well, yeah, ultimately, yeah, it's meaningless. And I said, can you live with that? Why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you strive so hard to accomplish something when it all ends in extinction and death? Ultimately, it's meaningless. And he thought about it for a while. And I said, all right, okay, have a good day. You know, and I left on that note and I could see as I was leaving, I could see it in his eyes. The wheels were beginning to crank and we had put the pebble in the shoe. OK, he had really began to start mulling over. What is the purpose of my life? What's the purpose of our brief existence here in this vast universe? Is death the only certainty that we have to look forward to? And he began to just mull it over. So, next time I spoke to him, he was much more open about talking about the great truths of God's Word. Now, that is how you put the pebble in the shoe. So, you don't always have to get to the gospel. Sometimes you just put the pebble in the shoe and let them think about something. All right? So, those are some suggestions when you're talking with friends who are atheists who don't want to hear anything about God. Next question here. If you're an atheist, do you have to worry about what God thinks about you? Yes, you do. You see, God exists whether you want to believe in Him or not. Things are true whether you believe it or not. I was talking to a man the other day who thought smoking a pack of cigarettes a day has no effect on his life whatsoever. Well, just because he sincerely believes that doesn't make it true. I mean, If you smoke a pack a day... It's going to impact your health significantly, whether you believe it or not. Truth is truth. Your attitudes, your rejection of it doesn't suddenly make it untrue. I can believe 2 plus 2 equals 8, all I want, but it doesn't change the mathematics at all. So God exists, and everyone should care about what God Thinks of us because someday we're going to stay, you know, as the Bible says, we're going to stand before Him and our eternal destiny will be determined how we responded to God's truth and God's Son. So just because someone rejects God doesn't mean God doesn't exist. God exists whether we want to believe him or not. You can reject it, but it doesn't make it not true. God doesn't suddenly disappear. So definitely. And I think that's more the question about truth. God exists whether you want to believe him or not. Truth is truth whether you accept it or not. It doesn't change the facts. That's a great question. Now, the next one is, what is the best thing to say to someone who is a relativist? Right, who believes there's no such thing as absolute truth, or someone who believes there's no such thing as truth. Well, the best thing to say to ask someone is when they make a statement, you just look at them and say, is that true? All right? If it's true, then they can't be a relativist. Right? Their system completely falls apart. If someone says relativism is true, then you just ask, okay, well, is that a true statement you just made? They say there's no such thing as truth. You ask them, is that a true statement you just made? There are no absolutes. Is that a true statement you just made? Does that apply to all people? Then it's an absolute. You need to ask them, is that statement true? Because okay? if it's true, then relativism falls apart. And the fact is they have to say it's true. See, truth exists. It is undeniable. To say there's no such thing as truth is itself a truth statement. Okay? It's self-contradictory. Their own position falls apart. All right. So the best thing to say to someone who's a relativist, just whatever statement they make, you say, is that statement true? There's no such thing as absolutes. Is that an absolute? Is that a true statement you just made? That's the best thing you can say to a relativist. It is God who seeks us. We are lost and he comes looking for us. Now, that's unheard of in Asian cultures. Yet uh, I can tell you dozens of stories You know, where parents have come to Christ and discovered how they have caused a lot of hurt in the life of their children and went and apologized and sought forgiveness from their children and their children completely stunned, you know, by what they've seen goes against their culture. Uh, Many saw the transformation in the lives of their parents and the power of Christ at work And many of the children and grandchildren have come to faith in Christ as a result of that. They obeyed the biblical teachings over the traditions of the culture. And so where culture goes against the Bible, we go with God's word because God's word is authoritative and supreme over all. Next question here, once again, has to do with the environment. Should Christians be concerned about climate change? What about plastics and animals? Where's the line between caring for creation and environmentalism? One of the tragedies you know, in the Christian world today is that young people care so much about the environment, and yet we hear so few sermons or messages on Christian environmentalism. Most of the environmental messages comes from the New Age and the pantheist crowd, and they care about creation, because they worship the creation. One of the sad things is that the strongest message and the true message of environmentalism comes right from the Bible. When I speak on Christian environmentalism on the University or High School campuses around the world, that classroom is packed. Because people have never heard anything from the Bible about the environment. They've never heard of Christian environmentalism. And when it comes to environmentalism, we Christians have the true message and the best message when it comes to environmentalism. And so we should be concerned about the environment and our world around us because that's something that God created. And what God created and God cares for We should care for as well, and that's understanding our role in creation. In Genesis 1:28, God created men and women in His image, and one of our responsibility is to rule over creation. Genesis chapter one, verse 28. We are to rule over creation. We are not to worship creation, but to rule over it. To use the resources responsibly to enhance human life and civilization. But also Genesis 2.15, we are to care for creation. We are not to exploit or destroy the creation, but use the resources wisely and care or steward, carefully steward God's creation. That's what we're called to do. And when you look in throughout the Bible, all right, God shows tremendous care for His creation. In fact, many of the covenants that God makes involve not only the redemption of mankind, but creation as well. For example, the covenant that God makes with Noah, the rainbow. He says, When the bow is in the clouds, I will see to it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So the redemption and the healing of a civilization also involves restoration with God of the people, but also of the land. And so we as Christians should care about the environment because the world around us is something that God created and he has placed us as stewards to rule over creation, to use the resources of creation to enhance human life and civilization, but also to steward it, right? To care for God's creation, to use those resources in a responsible way. And so As Christians, we have the greatest environmental message. We should care about the creation around us. We should care about things like climate change and the use of plastics and extinction of species. That's something that we should care about but not because we worship the earth or that the fly or the mosquito or insects have equal rights to human beings or you know, that the cow is divine somehow or we're disturbing the spirit of the gods by cutting down trees or eating cows or whatever it may be, but it's because we are stewards of God's creation and we're to use the resources of this earth wisely with great care. Our final question we're going to address today is this one. Does God reach out to everyone personally, or do people have to be reached by a Christian? Well, God reaches out to everyone through what we call general revelation, through the creation. Every day, creation points to its creator. It's almost impossible to study the world around you and not realize there's an intelligent, powerful creator behind what we see around us. Then God speaks us through the conscience he's placed within us. Romans chapter 2, the moral law within our hearts tells us there is a God, a moral law and a moral law giver. And finally, there's the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. John 14, John 16, Jesus said the spirit will convict men of sin. So the fact that we have sinned, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit is upon all men. Now, is that enough to get someone to be saved? No. They need what we call special revelation. They need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ to be saved. As Romans 10:15 states, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. The most prevalent way in the Old and New Testament in which God reaches people for Christ is through other Christians bringing the gospel. There are a few times, and these are exceptions, you know, when God directly speaks to them through perhaps a dream or some miracle, maybe an angel or so. But the most prevalent way that God reaches the lost is through other Christians. That's why missions is central to the existence and mission of his church and every christian is to be a part of the great commission reaching the lost world for christ well that's about all the time that we have answering these questions i'll be back with you again as we answer more tough questions teens ask next time we're together here on evidence and answers
0: We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You will find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. So be sure to look around our website and share it with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zukran i hey.